It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. <laughs> and once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. And welcome to every single album, a very special edition. I'm Nora Princiati, and I am here with Nathan Hubbard because the Eras Tour is underway. There's 44 songs. It's three hours and 15 minutes long. Taylor's back breaking records. Also, just like a lot going on in our world. I mean, Harry's still on tour. The Jonas Brothers sold out Broadway. Niall's got a song out. Nathan recently randomly posted a photo of himself and Maddie Healy on the internet and also texted it to me with very little uh, explanation. There is a lot going on at the moment. So we need to needed to get back together first and foremost to talk about the Eras tour, which had its first two dates over the weekend. Nathan, you and I have not talked about this yet. At all. Do you know yeah, why? Yeah, you kind of you announced on Twitter that we weren't talking to each other over the weekend. You didn't tell me this because we weren't talking. Listen, well, yeah, no- but you know, I get it in my mentions. You're tweeting at someone. Nora and I are not going to speak this weekend. Oh, okay, all right, that's fine. Nora, I'm five days in to a five day fast, so all bets are off today. I have no ability. I'm so crystal in my thinking, and at the same time, completely messed in the head that I, I don't even remember the exchange that you're talking about. It probably was happening as I switched into ketosis. Like a food fast. Uh, yes. A food fast. Are you going to like pass out on this podcast? Should we be worried? Kaya, I want you monitoring his movements. If you see any like wooziness going on in Nathan's, Nathan's little zoom cube, we got to step up here. Listen, if Taylor Swift can make it through three hours and 15 minutes, 44 songs, wearing 11 million outfits and running what looks like we got to get one of those little pin 
chips that they put on soccer players where they like take Ronaldo off and they're like the like the next gen stats dots. Yeah. He's run like seven and a half miles. Does she does she have like an Apple Watch? It could just track her steps. Yeah. We need to know because it appears from all I mean, every vantage point that we have that she's running a lot more. I mean, JJ Watt, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame football player, very close to your heart, Nora, is very concerned about the the endurance that he saw. He's like, there's no way I could do that. And he wasn't wearing like six inch heels the whole time. Yeah, well, they say there's 11 minutes of action. Uh, my my wonderful colleague, Kevin Clark, before he was at the ringer, wrote, wrote this amazing story for the Wall Street Journal about how there's really only 11 minutes of total action in an NFL game. Three hours and 15 minutes without a lot of breaks, I think is what JJ was commenting on. Pretty impressive stuff. I don't know that this tour, I mean, first of all, it's just, it's, I guess we should say spoiler alert. I have been scrolling through my TikTok, which is just exclusively videos from the shows right now. And so I've seen pretty much everything that's available to me. I don't know what you've been doing, Nathan. I'm I'm curious to hear, but if we have any listeners who've tuned into this podcast, somehow thinking that it wouldn't talk about what's actually going on at the show, we love you, but turn this pot off because there's going to be spoilers. Yeah, um, what's, what's your approach, Ben? Yeah, it's exactly that. I'm not even eating. What, what else do I have? I'm consuming <laughs> content from the tour. What do you, I mean, this is, and there's so much of it that, you know, after two nights now, I think we have a decent sense of the shape and scope of what we're looking at. But man, uh, there's a lot to talk about. So we ought to jump in. Okay, so as you... I'm curious, I guess you just gave the answer to that question of if you think we have the full shape and scope of this tour or if there's any possibility that it morphs in certain ways. We can get to that. But as you said, let's just dive in. Is there one thing that caught you or surprised you more than anything else once we got to take a look at this? One thing. I mean, let's just start. Cruel Summer, leading off, she knew what we wanted. Just zero fucking around. I know why you came here. I'm not going to make you wait. It's a lot like I went to see Mumford at the peak of their powers after the, uh, the album with I Will Wait on it. And they played that second at the Hollywood Bowl. And it was just like, fuck yeah, here we go. We know why you came. Bring it on. It just pulled the energy up in the whole venue. And it was just such a gift to the fans. There, There is a case to be made that she could have closed with it. And we can talk about the order of the eras here, but I love that. She just said right at it. I've heard you let's go. So were you surprised? So cruel summer comes second, the opening yeah. number being miss Americana, I think yeah. might've been the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. My theory is that this was going to be the opening sort of sequence of Loverfest, and she really liked it and wanted to just sort of recreate it here. That as the opening song choice initially, though, really, really surprised me. But then you do get Cruel Summer coming right after that. So it's like if you if you're someone who really wanted to see this show and somehow got a ticket but isn't a diehard, diehard, diehard if you're not deep into Miss Americana, you're getting a song that you know you love. You can scream every word at the top of your lungs within the first seven minutes of the show or or whatever it is. But what did you think about how it started? Yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise. 
for sure that she went with this. I think she, it's a little bit abbreviated in fairness. Uh, And so she doesn't even go through the whole thing. There is that spectrum of songs that are going on in the background, including So It Goes, uh, which is not particularly different from this one in some ways uh, that happens beforehand. So this feels like she just sort of picks up the, the snippets that are happening in the background and jumps in. We need something to get it started. I feel like if she came on with Cruel Summer, the room would melt. So I, this was one of those surprises. I mean, listen, thank God she didn't open with me. Thank God me <laughs> is nowhere on this set list. I mean, this is... It, 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 the more that I think about this and her her communication through the show is going to be very interesting because we'll see if the hardest part in the Achilles heels of the uh, Achilles heel of this show is that it's 44 songs over 50 plus dates. Like how is she going to keep the dialogue fresh? <laughs> right. Two nights in yeah. a row talking about the Evermore stuff. It felt like well, she but was, she did it differently. She did kind she of did it differently. Revamp yeah. it. Yeah. But can she do it 50 <laughs> times differently? Probably not. Right. So it's going to be interesting. But what we know is she's paying attention. The more you step back from this show and look at all the shirt, a lot going on at a moment at the moment. Right. The, oh, the subtlety of the outfits. That. Oh, I know we are. I know we are. The, the structure of the set list, the way she talked about Evermore, she's listening. This is very much a response to everything she's heard since 2018. And I just... I, I loved there are Easter eggs within Easter eggs inside this show. Well, if she's been paying attention to absolutely everything and if she's been paying attention to not this podcast, but the types of things that we occasionally say on this podcast, and I think are echoed in a lot of corners of the fandom, a big question, a big thing that she would have heard is how do the songs from folklore and evermore translate to a massive stadium environment? Turns out she thinks they translate just fine. That was another big surprise to me is just how much we're getting from Folklore and Evermore. Folklore, the first night, eight songs. That's that's including the surprise songs. Evermore, five. Folklore had the most more than, than Midnight's was next and Lover, 1989, Evermore. She's doing a lot from woodsy cottagecore pandemic days. What did you think about translating those songs, translating... Seven had the spoken word, but then like invisible string. I think Betty, Last Great American Dynasty, August, that's a little bit more of, of the stuff that we thought could work. But, you know, illicit affairs, my tears ricochet. What did you think about updating those songs for this tour? Yeah, it's interesting to hear these songs in a stadium because it's exactly the opposite of how we all originally experienced those albums. 70,000 people in outside open air together versus sort of quite literally locked in your home with a small group of people. Yeah, the, the New York Times review of this very subtly suggested that these songs from Folklore and Evermore in person had a little bit more difficult 
time carrying the energy around the stadium. But the, like the review was very hushed about that because literally no one dares criticize Taylor at this point. She's like President Xi of China with, with the media around this thing. And I love it. Like no one dares say anything or they're going to die. But it felt like, look, she, she had a lot to do to take those songs and put them to a stadium. And I still feel, look, when we, when we talk about how they structured this and the format, I still have a part of me that longs to hear these songs in a concert hall. Now, the logistics of whether or not that was possible to do a stadium show and then move to... I, I think at the end of the day, the reality is there was just too much damn demand and that there may be things yeah. that she could do from here. Could she have played stadiums, concert halls, arenas, clubs, all sort of in the same city? It would have been super cool to see Folklore and Evermore in the Disney concert hall. But I just think demand was too prohibitive to make it an equitable experience. There's a lot that she's going to be able to do on the back of this tour to go to smaller places, but that has to happen after she gives everyone a chance to go. So... Do I love these songs in the huge stadium? I think the outfits are great. I think the cottagecore stuff is great. I think my guess is if we're all super honest, that the energy, it's just hard to project everything that is these songs into a giant arena, especially because it is the, 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 just the vulnerability and softness of her voice that she introduced in these albums that makes them so unbelievably special. And even on the live TikTok streams, some of the color and character and just structure of her voice that was so, wow, it, whoever, you know, Bob Lefsetz, criticized the voice historically, maybe that was right, maybe that was wrong historically, but it ain't right now. And on some of the streams, I felt like, the nuance of her vocal, which is what I love about the Folklore and Evermore albums, feels like it's lost. But let's see what it looks like in person. And even still, man, I love, love, love those records. I love the song choices she put uh, from those albums. The only thing that I really, really missed was Gold Rush. And I definitely missed This Is Me Trying, but she played it in the second night. Talk to me. What do you miss from those two albums that she didn't put out here? So I, I have, I guess, a slightly different view. And this is just, I'm reserving a lot of judgment until I see it live and, and have that experience for myself, which I have to wait several months for or two months for, I guess. Uh, but from just watching the little videos, I thought a lot of it worked way better than I than I expected. I mean, just some of the stuff that it looked like she was doing with like tolerate it with all of the drama and the set pieces mm -hmm. and like climbing on the table. And then there's the part where she's like kneeling in the big dress. Um, I yes. think that was my tears ricochet and the you folklore love the dress, set. don't you? I well, so I I love the I love the folklore dresses. I yes. love the outfits for this tour. I think she looks amazing. Okay, we're gonna if talk about this. If I had to pick a miss, the it was the, the Evermore? Evermore dress is a little Oktoberfest for me. Like it's okay. a little bit like Love Shack Fancy meets Oktoberfest. Both nights though, because she's got the multiple, orange one. The, yeah, that was the first night. Why the do I orange know this? one didn't pop back up for the for um. 
the second Maybe Evermore. I, the second I thought it was she, the she, folklore. The folklore was had, the purple one the yes. first night that changed to the green for the second night, and then there was the maroon thought, version. Oh, I thought that I thought it went to white, but I'm not really keeping close track of these things. People are digging these outfits. I mean, I no, the, it, the, it, you're right. The white outfit did come out the second night. I like the white one. Okay, it's just the okay. orange one where the trees okay. pop up from the stage, yeah. and then we're just like yeah. a little. We're in Hobbiton. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a little Hansel and Gretel to it all. But uh, we'll come back on the outfits because I, 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 this is really not my area of expertise. So I need a little more, a, a little more insight from you on this. But I, generally speaking, she's she's working hard out there to sell them. She's on her knees in some part, like you said. She's got the backup dancers sort of walking in time. But that feels like the part of the show that that needed the most work and selling within the stadium. I'm happy to hear the songs. I just would posit that there's a even better environment to hear them. And I can't wait until she's playing like the Kennedy center with a string section, even though the band is playing them as well as they can be played in the stadium. I'm, I'm pumped that she's going for it. Cause it's, it's fun to be surprised. Right. And then you get yeah. the super witchy version of Willow, which is so funny to me. And it's so like, she's in her coven with the dancers. And it, it's as an Evermore stan, it's very cool to hear a full-throated defense of that album and, and to see it get its time. And I think that's all awesome. It is just like, she's working hard this entire set. She's working yeah. hard for three hours and 15 minutes, but it does seem like there was real dedication to, yeah. nope, we're going to make these happen. You know, we're, we're going to keep trying to make Fetch happen. It's why they made Illicit Affairs a little bit more of a rocker, isn't it? They totally. dug guitars into that. They just tried to stadium up a few of these songs. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I'm happy to hear it. I, I think when you step back, they probably were like, I mean, first of all, 44 songs, we're going to go there and talk about the length of this show and, and the choice. But Reputation is the last tour that she played. And so she right. had to ultimately make some cuts. So it's not a surprise that she did five from Evermore, six from Lover, seven slash eight from Folklore, seven from Midnight's, right? She was going to have to go heavy on those because we did see her tour the other songs earlier. I, you know, We can talk about whether she picked the right ones from those alternate albums. It does feel like some songs made it into the set list that might not otherwise have made it in if she hadn't turned down the energy by design with Folklore and Evermore. Right, like, does you need to calm down? Have to be in there. Well, I mean, think again. Let me just say it again. Thank God she didn't put me in. But you need to calm down. Is in there? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, there, there, there are a few others that it feels like she could have potentially dropped off. But you know, you need. Are you ready for it? Or ready for it um, to offset some of the energy that mellows out a bit over the course of three hours and fifteen minutes. So I understand it. So you think that because we're devoted, give or take, five songs to Evermore, seven, eight songs to Folklore. You think that that has something to do with why we're getting the man and you need to calm down as opposed to Death by a Thousand Cuts and Cornelia Street 
in the lover section. I'll go even further. I think it's why you didn't get new romantics. Because I think when she ultimately builds out of red and then brings it back down to folklore, she's got to build back up. And and coming out of 1989, she's got to go for the pure dance ones. I just think, would I have loved to have heard clean? Yes, I would have loved to have heard clean. Would I, you know, would I, do I really wish that she'd thrown in Better Man? She'll do it in the, in the acoustic surprise section at some point. But I just miss you and I just wish you were Better Man. But there's right. a reason why she just stayed with some of those bangers because over three hours and 15 minutes, it's really a two act play, right? It culminates, act one, I feel like it ends with 10 minute all too well. And that's at that point, she's gone through Lover. She's played Fearless. She's played Evermore. She's played Rep. She's uh, inexplicably played only one song from Speak Now, which is the Enchanted song, which you seem to love so much. I just can't get over the fact that it's the Al City guy. Why does the Al City guy continue to be able to ride the coattails into history? She is the master. She really falls in love with songs. Like one hit wonders she's not afraid of. She had Walk the Moon as an opener on her tour. Like she really is okay with somebody who makes one song and never reappears. Look, the ability to go to an 11 over a mediocre man is a time-honored tradition. And (laughs) this is just Taylor Swift's foray into, into that space. Yeah. Onto that hallowed ground. Yeah. And well, it's an amazing song. Uh, look, it is. I, we, we'll, we have a lot to talk about on the Speak Now front, but I do think that the other choices from the other quote unquote eras are somewhat to make space for the energy that comes from Evermore and Folklore. So I, I think she did the absolute best that she could under these scenarios. And I do think it would have been very difficult to get Taylor Swift in this moment in time into a smaller venue and not have people cry foul, especially after everything that happened with the on sale and the like, like this ended up being the best way to satisfy demand. It's not the perfect forum for these two albums, but I don't think it matters. She's selling it the best she possibly can. And this, you know, I think the visual spectacle of the show makes it work. Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, I could, again, I'm reserving judgment until I see it, but I, I really felt like from what I could see on TikTok, I was really, really impressed by just what those songs sounded like and sort of how theatrical she was able to make them in that large of a space. Let's talk about Speak Now, though. Yes. One, one Something's song. afoot. Something is afoot. <laughs> Something's I'm, highly I'm crying, afoot. crying bullshit. It is complete bullshit. And uh, all we know, look, we've, we saw it in the Bejeweled video. We've seen it in the store. We, say, we know Speak Now is hanging out there. It is very, very strange 
that neither Speak Now nor 1989 were put out in advance of this tour. I think I have a little bit of insight into why that is. The songs that she dropped on the eve of the tour feel like a little bit of cleanup for the songs that were hanging out there that weren't on formal albums, but that you might have attributed to the Speak Now era if you squinted a bit. Uh, And that she's sort of clearing the decks for Speak Now, both uh, sonically in her recordings, but also uh, through the tour. I just... Why else is there only one song from Speak Now in this entire tour? I, I, I have no good explanation for it. I'm shocked by it, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Because my explanation for why Speak Now Taylor's version is not out has to do with the tour is all that matters. The tour yes. is going to be the biggest tour that's ever toured. It's the most amazing thing. I mean, three hours and 15 minutes. She is giving blood, I'm sure, at some point, but certainly sweat. And as and we saw tears to this thing. Yeah. And people spent a ton of money on it, but they are getting a lot from her in return. Well, and the only thing that I could think that made sense was just, you know what? We're, we're not, it would be great to put Speak Now Taylor's version out and have that and and have the songs. And when she you know, resets her own record for the biggest streaming day on Spotify as she did the day after the tour started. When that happens, to be able to redirect that attention to the re-recorded songs, great, sure, that would be wonderful. But that's not what we're doing right now. We're doing the tour. That said, if that's the priority and it's the era's tour, then what would follow for me is look, it is what it is. And every era is available to us. And we're going to work with all the clay that we have to mold. And just doing Enchanted doesn't fit into that for me. I'm not necessarily mad about it, even though Speak Now is is a contender for my favorite album. So I guess I am because I'd love to hear more of that song, more of those songs. (laughs) I mean, we've heard them live. Like it's not as... (sighs) There's the songs I wish that we heard that she's performed live already and the songs that I wish that we heard that like have not had their live moments yet. And I do separate those, but I just, I I can't put those two things together. They don't make sense to me. Okay. So you're right. They don't make sense, but I'm going to make the case for optimism. Okay. And here's, here's the case. The first is she spent the first two nights telling us, I really love Evermore. Evermore was not, you know, a a reject. My least favorite child. It's not my least favorite child. And so that clearly, in, in its own way, that narrative wounded her a bit, or it bothered her, or it annoyed her. Pick your, you know, whatever verb happened to her, she, it, it happened to her. Or she just thinks we're all insane well, and wants to make fun of us for it. Here's the thing. She's right in that, or the fans are right, in that it did not get the attention that it deserved in the flurry of content that she released because she put out Folklore and then she put out The Long Pond and then she put out Evermore and then only a few months later, boom, it was Fearless. And so there was this entire spread of content that we know put Evermore, which you and I can make a strong argument, is as good of an album or better than Folklore. Or better better than Folklore that it got washed away a little bit. And I think she knows that. And the strategy that we saw post-Fearless and how she set up Red, the way that she 
went out on the VMAs to announce Midnight. She decided, I think, that she was not going to let her art get washed away. I am also privy to a little bit of inside buzz. The the little birdie (laughs) thing. They were worried about pulling this off. Okay, this is a monumental effort. We have not simply seen a tour of this length ever. And we can go back to talk through, you know, all of those artists who have come before. Springsteen in 1985 played 29 songs. Huge touring year. 99, he averaged 24. 2012, he played 27. So yeah, Springsteen plays a long time, but a lot of that is instrumental and the band. And he's not playing 44 songs. He's, he, and he's yeah, certainly he's in run around. He's in 24. Uh, her yeah. 23rd song is the all too well 10 minute version that you okay. defined as the end of act one. Of there we show. go. There we go. And Springsteen not wearing heels and not running around an entire stadium down the catwalk and up and down. Beyonce. That would be something in, though. It would. I'd love to see it. Maybe 2009, Beyonce played 28 songs. 2013, she did 23 songs. 2016, she averaged 31. The Coachella set was 32. Okay, so that's, we're still, we're still 75% of that show. Coldplay plays like 21, 23 songs. Prince, in 2011, he played 29 songs on average. In 2004, he averaged 32 songs. Dylan, who has this monumental catalog, in 1978, he played 28 songs. It was all downhill from there. By 95, he was playing 15 songs or less in his set. So my point is, this is a massive effort that is not, it doesn't have historical precedent, not just because of the number of songs, but because of the production. And this is a visual spectacle. We should talk about that visual spectacle and whether it lands in the way that she intends. But this is the most complicated tour likely that we have seen in a long time, if not ever. I think you could argue maybe some of the Pink Floyd stuff, All that, like, but this is a visual spectacle. They were worried about it happening. It took all of the energy possible to get it out. And I don't think they could focus on anything else. So the reason for optimism is we know these things are coming. It is weird intuitively. If you're desire in publishing these albums, re-recording them, is to cut the legs out of people who are making money off your art, who own the old versions. It still makes no sense to me why you wouldn't just get it the F out. And the only reason why I think we haven't seen it is they figured out that when they put out Fearless, it did okay, but it did not kill old Fearless. When they put out Red with a full album campaign and a lot of space to breathe, it killed old Red. And so I think she's hoping to have the space and time to, to release these things. And I think the reason we're not hearing speak now is something absolutely has to be building towards a release of that in the not too distant future. Well, okay. So I, can I go conspiracy corner on you? And can we talk about what not too distant future? Means? I love conspiracy, Nora. So you saw the uh, a lot going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. T-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. Worn during the, the red night. set. It was night. worn during the, the 22 red era shirt. Um, yep. The update of the not a lot going on at the moment shirt, but it said a lot. So the rest of the letters were in black, but a lot. A-L-O-T is in red on the shirt. The yes. next night, the shirt says, who's Taylor Swift anyway? Ew. Right. Who's That's Taylor Swift anyway of... is in black, but the ew is in red letters. Yeah. So... In red letters, we have A-L-O-T and we have E-W. Put those in a bag, jumble them up. So far, they do work as part of spelling out Speak Now Taylor's version. Oh, come on. That's all I'm saying. 
that's the craziest shit you've ever said to me. That's all I'm saying. I can't I mean, take no, credit for the noticing that. It's, it I also wish spells I could Nora Princiati. No, it doesn't. It actually, in fact, does not. I don't have a W in my name. Mm, yet. All right. Well, so or you think that well, through I do the course... In, it it think, doesn't. You think that through the course of this tour, she's going to wear t-shirts that in red, when you jumble up the letters, not unlike the vault stuff that she put us through for the old red, that it's go- or for the new red, Taylor's version, that it's going to spell... Speak now, Taylor's version. Okay, when you say it like that, I sound bananas. But maybe. I just can't believe that Speak Now is not part of this tour in a a significant way. It's going to be in some capacity. And again, when I say, I think this is the great democratization of her touring with the fan base. She now, she had so much demand that she had to get this out there and just get people in so that nobody could say, I didn't have a chance. And let's be clear, you do have a chance. There were tickets available in all sections, yes, in the secondary market, on the day of the show. On the day of the show, in the hours leading up to it, there are a few hundred to a few thousand tickets posted. Pretty clear brokers are afraid of getting caught and having their tickets canceled, so they're holding stuff back and waiting until the last 48 hours to put stuff up there. Overall volume sort of looks low, but I suspect it's a little bit higher than we see because I think brokers are hiding the ball because of all the drama around it. They didn't want to get their tickets canceled, all this stuff. It's a weird market right now. What I'd say to you is, if you want to go to this tour, you can. And if you start looking 48 hours beforehand, you're going to find a ticket that gets you in. That's not $1,000. That's for sure. But- it seems like I, I can't really... I don't want to put too much weight behind this because it's. I've just seen a couple things on TikTok. It did seem like prices were dropping a little bit to yes. more than a little bit. It's not yes, going to be cheap, but like it seemed like no. you could get it. This happens in most events and 5 to 10% of the time it the price goes up because there's suddenly a bunch of people who want to go and 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 supply is actually really tight and that means when you draw the supply and demand curve, price goes up. In this case, demand is absolutely there, but there is also a lot of supply and I think again I think it looks to me like brokers are not posting all the tickets that they have because they're afraid of getting busted. And so they're posting them in small increments. When their tickets in one section sell, they refresh it and reload it. So I think people are sitting on inventory. And, and this looks to me so far like a tour that if you wait until those last 48 hours, you're going to get something that is reasonable. They are definitely right now fishing for suckers. If you live in Philadelphia or New York or Los Angeles or you know any of those dates that are uh, more than a month out. But I think Vegas is coming on Friday and Saturday. I took a peek today. There's a few tickets that are posted there and, and the couple hundred bucks gets you into the, into the seats. I just unless something about the set list changed it dramatically, and I don't think it did, if anything, it's going to lower demand because there's going to be a few people who go three hours and 15 minutes isn't for me. Ha ha. More for the rest of us. But unless, yeah, unless you're that person, I do think that that the last 48 hours right now is going to be the place to do it. But if you don't live in Vegas... Go on those secondary sites if you're looking for a ticket and just track. Watch the behavior of what happens across different sections. Watch how many tickets are available. It'll give you a really good indication of what's going to happen when the tour comes to your town. I hate that you have to buy in the secondary market, but let's be clear. like There just was more demand than supply, and and, and that's just where we are. So I just think, Nora, at some point, we're going to hear a lot more from Speak Now before we get to these five shows in LA in, in August. All right. 
I would be excited about that. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you, you've, you've just brought up that the shows in Philly and New York and LA are a ways away from now. I'm going in, in New York or New Jersey, technically, at the end of May. Three hours and 15 minutes, a couple or a few times a weekend yeah. for the next however many months. How is she going to keep this up so that when you and I see this tour, it's firing on all cylinders? <laughs> I mean, first of all, I feel badly for the openers. Like, is anybody going to go see the openers? <laughs> I, the openers are awesome. I'm thrilled. Yeah, but I, like, I actually thought it, it's a good point because now that if people know how long know. of a show they're in for, it's it's you're signing up for a lot of hours inside of a stadium. That said, I did think I remember going to the Reputation tour. And it was awesome to see Charlie XCX and Camille Cabello. I went to both openers. It was, they were great. I remembered thinking, man, the difference between Taylor's production value and like the one, just the the effort into Havana for Camille Cabello of just making the video screens work. And it also was a little bit later. So it was getting a little bit dusky. So it starts to get dark and it makes the screens pop and everything was so, so, so stark where like the beginning of Charlie, it was just, you couldn't see anything. It was totally light out. There was not right. a lot of of stuff going into it. Right. I want Gail, Paramore deserve, and, and probably Taylor's people and anybody who was involved in sort of how that happened deserve a lot of credit because I agree with you. I didn't see a peep about either opener for like, close to 48 hours after this thing started just because the stuff about what Taylor did was so intense and so just overwhelming all of my feeds and everything. But when I went I and watched actually the looked Paramore for it, show. It was good. They sounded great and it yeah. looked great and it seemed yeah. like they put a lot into it and the screens yeah. were going and 
I Look, hope people don't do that because it looked awesome. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, this is kind of Loverfest, except she is all the bands with a few openers. You know, it's like, I think this is what we were going to get. It's just lots of her. And that's fine by me. I, I think, let's be clear, miss me with the, the, hey, they didn't say this about Paul, about Bruce Springsteen, about Prince. This is about, you know, they're challenging her physical stamina as a woman. No, J.J. Watt, <laughs> Hall of Fame professional athlete was like, I have no idea how she did that without a halftime, without a break. Like, can she actually go do this? Adele's voice has barely been able to pull off an entire tour. And so I think it's a reasonable thing to be worried about. Can she physically do this? Now, the good news here is there's less dancing and choreography per note, I think. There are some abbreviated songs for sure. And and there are also a lot of background tracks where her voice is being used, you know, on all 10 minute, all too well. Like she can duck in and out of choruses. She does that on blank space. at least in the first couple nights and they still hold up fine. She only plays guitar when she wants to, like she stops during the casually cruel in the name of being honest part on all too well, 10 minute version. It's fine. The band is that strong. They're carrying her. So I think they've created a scenario in which she can sort of dive in and out of these songs. Obviously, she's got to sing the verses. She can't she can't bail out a Marjorie, but, right. but she's gotta she has some bailout areas through the course of this. But they are worried about her getting through this, not because she's not strong, but because nobody wearing heels singing hard for three hours and fifteen minutes. It just has not been done before. No one's the ever Springs done this before. No. The Springsteen show, he's playing a lot of guitar. You know, there's big, long, long band jams. It happens only in transition at this show. She is the show and she's singing her ass off. It's hard to do. Nora, is she actually going to write and direct a feature film through all this shit? Oh my God. I can't even. I'm... She's got to be on I, vocal rest, she's right? She's like not, not a, a normal person. It's like so that's true. And that's probably why this is going to be fine. But I do believe that if she gets through this entire tour with all of the energy that she's bringing, she's probably making an album in the background, everything else that's (laughs) happening, it's going to be an incredible physical feat. And I, I agree. She's hugely superhuman. But I think what is going to be the biggest accomplishment of this tour is if she can actually pull off a 44-song stadium tour over three hours and 15 minutes that she does night after night after night around the country. And that's before she even goes to the rest of the world. This is not an easy thing to do. And I think think that is a credit to her. She's taking a risk. That's the danger in this show. The rest of the show doesn't necessarily have danger except except for the two sort of what are going to be the acoustic songs. I mean, we got to talk about what she dives into when she goes. Well, yeah, swimming, I was going we'll to say also when she dives into the ball pit or what whatever it is, is down under there. there. I want <laughs> like, it to be a ball pit. I want it to be like a I want it to be a ball, ball pit. pit. I want it to be a- Taylor. If you if you will answer any one question that we have, it's is yes. it a ball pit? Just what's down there it, before it you can't get be like a gymnastics across the stadium. <laughs> 
It can't be a gymnastics mat because she'd get marks on her on her like arms and legs, right? Is it like a love also, sack? That- is it fuzzy? Is it a giant bean? Is it a pool of her enemy's blood? Is it Joe <laughs> down there catching her? What's happening? Oh my god, cute, cute. Can you imagine if it were Joe? I love that idea. Yes. Adorable. I, I don't know because here's it's the thing. It's not like thing. he's like, acting. She's, she's like really putting her body on the line with that. It's not like she cannonballs in there. She goes head first. No, and you know I had what a it looks like, like under makeshift stages. There's like, there's, there's wiring and there are sort of pipes and it's not like warm and fuzzy down there. No, no. And. I had a friend who was like, she dives kind of weird. I was like, she's jumping into nothing. Like, what do you want? You want her to go she's up and like do like a swan dive? She's herself. <laughs> into something. I, I don't know. We may have a neck pinch. I, she might be out with a knee. There's going to, she's going to have like yeah, a hockey I mean, the, injury the vocal report. stuff is, the vocal stuff is, is massively impressive and clearly they have a plan for it and there is rest between the shows, but if she pulls this off, it'll be massively impressive. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about a, you know, a, a, a separated shoulder or yeah. something like that because the ball Climbing pit wasn't that stocked cloud. well enough. Right. Somebody gets a little loose. The roadies, Roadies are on the, they're having a two gummy night under the stadium and they forget to put enough balls in the ball pit or like she's climbing up that ladder to the clouds before midnight and ladders are not safe. <laughs> I don't know. What if the willow house collapses? The vigilante shit chair. I mean, there's slippage potential. She's wearing the 90-inch Louboutins in, in that moment. Look, Very J.J. Worried. Watt is still in his 30s. So this guy knows. He watched this show. He's like, there, that is a, there's a lot of hazard happening right here. I mean, J.J. JJ Watt also knows a thing or two about getting injured at, at State Farm Stadium or whatever. So. <laughs> yes, yes, he knows well what it's like to get injured at, All on, too on that well. Field. All too well, Nora. But listen... <laughs> That is the f- going to be the fun of tracking this tour, and I do want to bring you back to that to, to that question because ah, we learned something from the 1975 tour. It, it was one of two extremely innovative tours that have happened over the course of the last year. The first was Harry Styles, and you and I have spoken ad nauseum about <laughs> the shift from just going town to town to town to town to actually putting up residencies in large venues. And maybe Taylor's doing a residency in LA with five stadium shows, fine. I think she sort of landed somewhere in between. But it was this notion that you can save a lot of cost on touring by having people come to you. That was kind of the first interesting innovation in touring. The second, I think, was the 1975 tour because that tour and Maddie Healy went out every night performing for the internet more so than the crowd in front of them. And they had a two-act play. And every night, the question was, is Maddie going to eat the raw meat? Is Maddie going to touch his own dong? Who's Maddie going to kiss? And ah! there, was, there was this energy around, you got to see it. And it, it just generated clip after clip after clip. So what I ask you is, in this format, it has to be highly choreographed. It has to be structured because you can't do a 44-song set like this without it. Outside of the two surprise songs a night, is there enough of that 
is that enough, the two songs a night? And if not, it, you know, is there stuff elsewhere in the show that is going to keep this buzz every night where you're checking back to see what happened? Okay, I'm not over Dong. I don't know that anyone's ever said that on this podcast before. I didn't know what to say. I have I was, a response. I know I'm going to respond to your point. I just need a second. All right. What should I have said? Together, it's fine. It's God, fine. It's fine. Let's go. I, she's it, not touching doing his what JJ doing. Watt. What? <laughs> just leave JJ out of this. He's been through enough. All right. Yes. She's Taylor's not doing what those people are doing. She's just not. You are very inspired by all of what's going on because it's you. And it is fascinating to see. She is not doing what they are doing. She's a unique presence. She's a different performer. Mm. She's not like Harry is breaking the fourth wall at all times, which plays really well for the internet because it's different every night and it's bespoke. And it's, I'm talking about, this sign that I see in the fourth row and you broke up with your boyfriend. Oh, you know, could have been your fault. Ha ha ha. Banana, banana. They're all dressed as bananas. They're dressed as bananas. And everybody goes wild and posts it on TikTok and it can be different on an evolving basis throughout the tour. And there's other stuff. I mean, like the Jonas Brothers just sold out Broadway for like five nights in a row or something. That was very cool. Taylor is doing, I, I guess the biggest similarity would be just sort of how theatrical and how how innovative as an experience and a show the 1975 tour was. I definitely see a parallel there, but she's not breaking the fourth wall in, in the same way. Mm-hmm. She is putting on a show and that show required so much effort. Like she's just in the best way possible. She is a tryhard. And I mean that as such a compliment, but she's not doing the same thing that I think a lot of people do where it's sort of like, oh, how cheeky. We're just hanging out. No, she's showing up to perform and she's going to perform for three hours and 15 minutes, sweat her ass off, maybe get a shoulder contusion when she dives beneath the stage. And she's just put together this spectacle. And I, I think how that's going to stand on its own. That's how what does I that, think. How does that parlay into her? intersong banter. I, I still, I think a lot of people still have a little bit of PTSD from the little bit of the, wow, this is my shock surprise face stuff from the early days. My vibe from the first two nights was this is a woman who's super comfortable with herself. Her dialogue felt a lot more authentic and less of the C word that she gets criticized for contrived, which sometimes I see, sometimes I don't. But I just ask you, do you think we're going to get a lot of that playful intersong banter? Or do you think that the banter at the end of the day is part of the show? And while she might reword the, I've been watching you talk shit about Evermore, she's going to say it every night before she starts there. I think most of it will be consistent. Now, I think she's going to, I don't think she's going to go on the whole, I see it, I'm watching you, I see everything on TikTok over and over and over again for 52 or 53 nights or whatever it is. Because yes, I, I think... People will, at least the super fans, although it's worth keeping in mind that there are a lot of people who are going to see this tour who are, are not That's watching an important every point. last little thing. This tour may not be for them, but yes. Yeah, but it has to be for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. She can just alter that stuff subtly. But if, if the question is, do I think that she's going to throw out the, you know, 
and I'm your host this evening. My name's Taylor. If yeah. I think she's going to do that 53 times. I do. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. that's a part of the... Because it's for everyone. Yeah. ...show. And it's a part of the routine and it's almost like choreography. And I, I do think to an extent, naturally, she gets to do something different every night because of the surprise songs. And right. she'll get to talk a little bit during those sets and talk a little bit about those songs. And that's going to be bespoke and that's going to be different. And, and I do think that's going to be enough because for the most part, I think she's not, she's not showing up to play around and it, it's too hard. Like she's what she's trying to do yeah. every night is too hard. It has yes. to hit its beats. And I, I, I think I that's what they're doing more so than banter, banter. This will be cute on TikTok. Yeah, she's got to keep the thing moving. We don't have time for a lot of inner song shit. Right. This is 44 songs for crying out loud. And actually, I think more than in past tours, it seemed like she would go straight from one song into another, which adds Mm -hmm. to the vocal challenge of what she's doing. But it does. Yeah. uh, There's always a lot of talking in a Taylor Swift show. Yeah. There's maybe a little bit less in this one over the course of the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's right. We'll see how we'll see how it goes through the course of the tour. How do we feel about the production, generally speaking? I mean, it looks awesome. You get the perspective of everybody from the floor to the upper parts of the 400 level in the stadium through TikTok and Instagram and everything else. And it does look like a little bit of a different experience depending on where you are in the venue. They've put up screens to try to give the obstructed view people a view and and, and the people high up. But the floor versus stands feels like a different experience for sure. And there are some cute moments that if you're on the floor, you're going to catch that if you're in the stands and not watching the screen, you won't, right? I, I noticed that in Last Great American Dynasty, there's a woman, one of her backup dancers is playing the part of Rebecca. And when she says that, right. you know, and then it was bought by me, they sort of make this eye contact and there's a handoff. And it's a very interesting moment that again, with the Evermore folklore stuff, I think you have to pick up that nuance to get the show part of it. But how do you feel about the production overall? I think it looks amazing. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that sitting in, you know, the last row of the 400 section is is the same experience as having floor seats. No. But I think to the best of anyone's ability, it looks like an experience no matter where you are. And there yeah. are certain things when you see some of the videos that are from higher perspectives or, or more zoomed out, you do get a sense of, oh, all the bracelets light up and make the rainbow or they make the hearts that go around the stadium. And you you get a, a sense of scale right. that to me is really, really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it's very cool to watch in some ways when you're in the building. Now, again... I'm not going to compare that to you're sitting in the front row and you see her wink at you. Like I'd faint. I'd, I'd cease to exist. It's all yeah. over. But for the people in the 400 level section there, it's almost like they're watching a TV show, but it's, it's live. Yeah. But it looks more, it looks like it still looks like you get something out of being there. Something really, really real and, and, and beyond Completely. just sort of sensing the energy. It looks yeah. like there's been real thought into, yes, you're going to see that, but you can also just sort of the audience and and the venue becomes part of what you're watching. So I, yeah. I think the production value looks really, really high. Yeah. There's one thing about the production value and the problem with up-close cameras and maybe the problem with everything getting published to the internet, which is 
did you see the like finger in the light socket hair? Like her hair, <laughs> yes. the static yeah. situation with her hair. We got to figure out how to keep that shit from turning into a full on Taylor Fro. <laughs> it is problematic, <laughs> let's say, in the first two shows. I don't know if it was the desert air or whatever, but there were some major components of her hair that were just not going to participate. They were not going along with the program. They were going to elevate as high as they could. And it was hilarious. It is very dry there. And that affects when I was there for the Super Bowl, I, I left, I left my hotel room looking like Priscilla Presley a couple times. By okay. Accident, Cause it's just like, woof. and as always, there's something wonderfully human about that. Like Taylor's always, the you know the jealous of of the cheerleader girl playing who's made it and in this great role but she still has the sort of sensibility of like maybe i don't totally belong here wink wink and the hair thing while wearing all these versace outfits that i want to bring you back to was was just fantastic in its own way so part of me hopes that they figure out something to glue that shit down but part of me hopes just fucking let it go because it just it humanizes this person yeah, just I let her go. Yeah, because and also like she looked great. She, there was oh, not, that's a, not the there debate. was not a visual issue. It, there was it not does a miss. get captured in some memes and in some tweets and some TikToks and stuff it, like that. But she looked it'll awesome. Be fun. Like, don't change anything. No, and, and and the thing is, I don't understand how they're pulling off the costume changes. I mean, there was a moment where you could see one outfit under the other. It's like people are digging these outfits, but it, it does feel like she's got to wear like a muumu over a more fitted <laughs> dress. And sometimes the fitted dress like peaks in the bottom. Like one time I went, I went to like sit on Santa's lap when I was a kid and the guy had oh like boy. a bud. He, I, I saw he had like a little bit of a Budweiser shirt that peeked out under the costume. And I was like, first of all, fuck yeah, dude. But second of all, <laughs> like you are not the real Santa. Right. <laughs> so it was kind of, there was kind of that, that energy to knew? it. That was when you figured it out. I, Santa's real, Nora. And so so is Stevie Nicks. And I love how the folklore dresses sort of harken back to that. But the, the outfits, here's the question I have for you on the outfits. They clearly have struck a chord. People love them. Did she pay for them? Oh. They're all custom. Fascinating. Um, probably not, I would imagine just cuz it's massively worth it to to those designers to outfit her with all of that stuff. Yeah. If she needed to pay for them, she could. I mean, I saw the estimates for the the decked out boots that were like $20,000 or something like that, but Yeah. I, I mean, these they things can are going to be put it in the tour budget if they need to, but if if I'm if I'm Christian Louboutin who she has a has a very long relationship with touring shoes in particular. Yeah. I would imagine yeah. The honor I mean, of outfitting I, Ms. Swift. I, I think that's right. I don't think it's a surprise that uh, the dresses are all getting their own Instagram accounts and like you can see like I, that, that. Yeah, and maybe, Oscar de la Renta's posting yeah, about how they yeah. do the beating on yes, yes, yes. the bodysuits and all of that stuff. And I mean, yes. uh, she's using a lot of, so she's doing a lot of Oscar de la Renta. Um, a fair, as you mentioned, a fair bit of Versace. I think they did the man glittery blazer that goes over the lover bodysuit and some other stuff. Um, yeah. She's mostly using, she's using a lot of designers she has relationships with. Yeah. So let, let me say, I'm sure a, they worked it out. Let me say as a member of the board of Gibson guitar, we're 
thrilled. I'm thrilled to see all of the uh, Gibson guitars that she's playing, including the one that her parents apparently bedazzled. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. for the for the Fearless thing, which was awesome. Okay, here's my last question for you on outfits, and then we actually have to get to this set list. Nora, is the Reputation outfit drunk? <laughs> Or are you because all in it's on wobbly? it? I'm so into it. I love it. It's like okay. the snake is coming down the one leg. Yeah. I just want to make sure that that's, are you, you're ready to ride or die for that one too? Yeah. It, totally. it, it was, the, I mean, okay. Truly. I think, I, I think it's the, just the evermore so first night. My favorite, my favorite is at the end. Um, when she closes with karma and she's got the sparkly bodysuit plus the fringe coat that changes colors. Um, okay. and then all the backup dancers have their other fringe coats. I think that's so fun. Uh, yeah. my favorite shoes are the heeled over the knee boots with all the, the glitter that seem to exist in multiple iterations. Truly the only one where I'm like, what are we doing? Is the orange one, <laughs> just the orange <laughs> sort of like, and then all, when all the trees come out. Yeah. 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 Again, <laughs> she's such a theater kid. Again, it, it, yes, super theater nerd. It's wonderful. We have got to talk about the notable omissions from this set list because there were some choices made. And there were for choices. Me, choices were made. Yeah, choices were made, and I think the the choices are going to be covered up by uh, these, you know, two surprise at night, uh, two a night surprise acoustic songs. But it, the first revelation, and there are others, but the first revelation is that. Debut does not appear to be an era. Do you have a problem with that? Yes. What do you miss? I miss our song. Our song is a slam of screen doors, sneaking alley, tapping on your window when we're on the phone and you talk real slow. My manifestation starts now for May 27th, Taylor, our song. I hope my friends that I'm going with aren't upset about this, but that's what I want. I mean, I'm crushed that she played This Is Me Trying on night two. I know. I think you're crushed that she played State of Grace. I mean, that that actually worked on piano. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, Mirrorball, whatever. Tim McGraw, I wanted her to go to that like minor chord that Maggie Rogers did in the cover. <laughs> I was hoping we were going to get that. that. You love I do love that. She didn't get it. But but so what else? So debut is the first thing. And, and I assume she'll cycle through a few of those songs. But she has basically determined that that's not an era. And that was surprising, I think, to most people. Not because we were like dying to hear that music, but because she definitely stepped back and said, I got, okay, 44 songs max. I can only do so much. It's been five years. I've got all these albums. I have to play Lover. I have to play Folklore. I'm going to play Evermore. I got to play nineteen uh, uh, Midnights. And I got to play the hits from 1989 and Rep. So if there's going to be somebody who loses out, it's going to be you debut. What we didn't expect, Nora, was that it's also Speak Now that's going to lose out. Yeah, but I didn't expect that debut would literally not be part of this. 
Hmm. Other than in the Tim McGraw surprise song. Were you hoping for the curls and the boots and? I I didn't. I just didn't want to accept. Has she yeed her last haw? Like, come on, it's an era. It's in the house. Mm. It's a room in the house, but it's not an era on the tour. Yeah, I agree. So, so what is this about? Is it just that it feels less authentic for her? She's more comfortable being who she is. Is it that she looked back and as she's trying to do the re-record, she's like, man, yeah, redoing the twang is is really difficult for me at this point, having lived in New York. I mean, what what do you what do you think was behind it? Yeah, I I guess that's probably it. I mean, also, look, I'm I'm speaking from a place of I would love to hear all two hundred and whatever songs she's at right now on the tour. So when I say something, I'm not doing the, you know, I always go after people when it's awards ballot season in the NFL where somebody says, oh, it's unbelievable that this person is an all pro. And I always say, if you're going to tell me that so-and-so should be on a ballot or should be off a ballot or whatever, you have to say who the replacement or who the retraction is because there's only so many spots. Well, it appears that Evermore and Folklore were the replacement. Right. And, And I could go through and probably do it but when I say, I can't believe we're not hearing our song, I've not necessarily gone and said, okay, you know, I don't want to lose Marjorie, right? No. So there's probably a little bit of math to be done there. But yeah, the songs I, I that I'm... I could you need to calm down, but... And The Archer. I'm okay with I love... So I've never stand super hard for The Archer. Yeah. So that's me. I know a lot of people feel very differently about that song. I liked hearing You Need to Calm Down. You Need to Calm Down was built uh, to thrive in a in a was. tour, big dance party environment. So I've, I've got no issue with that. Yeah. The sh- Shade Never Made Anybody Less Gay in the stadium with everybody screaming. It was awesome. Very fun. And that's really what it was about, I think. Because, yeah. The song that I am most shocked is not a part of this is is Cornelia Street. I sort of can't believe it. Really? I'm not saying that that's the one where I'm going, like I'm not making my prayer circle for Cornelia Street. If I were to make in that family, it would be for Death by a Thousand Cuts. Saying goodbye is death by a thousand cuts. Yes. I mean, come on. Okay, but Cornelia Street is is a mass, is a fan favorite. It is just not as much of a bop. It's just not. Neither is Death by a Thousand Cuts, though. That's why I think they're both not here. Well, sure. But but I'm talking about songs that have become like Cornelia Street, I think, is a song that has become very, very, very special to the fans. She's going to play it on piano and it's going to be gorgeous. But she's yes. only do it one night. But she's only going to do it one night, and I'm I'm surprised by that choice. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that I disagree with it. I actually think I probably agree with it. Okay. Um, you just miss it. No, I'm just surprised that it's not there. If if I had my perfect set list, something would be swapped out for Death by a Thousand Cuts because of yes. those like slightly less boppy lover songs that I agree with you probably aren't on this because they're not high energy enough to right. balance out the folklore and the Evermore. Uh, if I, if I could have one of those for me, it would be death by a thousand cuts. That said, if I were Taylor looking at this, if my goal was to sort of do fan service, 
Cornelia Street would be there. Uh, Death by a Thousand Cuts did have its moment in the live Paris show with the guitar, right? So did that's Cornelia how- Street. They both did. They both did. You said it was a great love, one for the ages. So if the story's over, why am I still writing pages? And baby, so terrified if you ever walk away. That's how we'll hear them on this tour. We just have to touch on the fact that basically my favorite song from 1989 and your favorite song from 1989 are not on here. And I really thought the reason I didn't talk to you this weekend is I just was waiting for you to come to me and go, go, this is a nightmare. Like how can there not be new 44 songs and it doesn't have new romantics. Like that's what I expected from you. You keep saying this. I'm not that surprised. New romantics is, is not on this. Did I even put, New Romantics on my... I'm pulling up my predictive... Yes, you did. ...set list. I don't think I did, Nathan. I didn't. Are you more surprised that Out of the Woods is not on there or New Romantics? Um, I'm probably more surprised that Out of the Woods is is not on there than New Romantics. Yeah, I Again, am too. I if, am too. If I had my way, I would love to hear New Romantics, but New Romantics was on the Target Deluxe Edition of that album. And yes, despite that, because the fans, myself included, rightfully understood that it is an impeccable song, helped it get the buzz and, and Taylor recognized this and gave it a big spot on the 1989 tour. That is more than I think I, I ever right. would have predicted New Romantics you would get. You sound very so satisfied I, with your favorite Taylor I just Swift didn't, song. I didn't get let down by this because I was not expecting to hear it. The okay. songs that I was okay. expecting I to hear and didn't hear. So again, I, I'm a little surprised Getaway Car, even Me though it, it had the big spot and the Reputation Tour. I'm surprised that's not there. Nothing beats the there's only one speak now and there's no debut, but I thought that we would have had you're on your own kid too. Just to learn that you never cared. You're on your own kid. You always have been. That felt like a big song when Midnight's came out. Um, I, I miss Ivy. I really miss Ivy. I would have loved to hear Ivy. I just love that song. Yeah, Ivy for me. I, Ivy, certainly Gold Rush, but Ivy is the one that I'm I'm bleeding a bit from. I'm trying to. So here is when I when I made my guesses, the ones that I I thought think you would had long live. long live. No, I didn't. Um. Oh, maybe I did. No, I didn't. I had so our song not there. Um, mm. Sparks Fly and Mine, not there. Chop everything now. Meet me in the pouring rain. Do you remember we were sitting there by the water? You push your arm around me for the 
Holy ground, not there. And right there where we stood was holy ground. Message in a bottle. That was a that was an unhinged super, choice by me. When super we did that drunk, episode. Nora. What unbelievable. By the way, um, by the way, when she put out that uh all the girls you've loved, like I f- just very briefly was terrified it was the Julio Glacius Willie Nelson song. That she'd recut or something and done a cover. Anyway, I'm glad that she did. It's kind of it's kind of growing on me that song. All of the girls you loved before. Um, Let's talk. Well, we should talk about it before we go. But okay, Okay. message in a bottle. Strange by me. Um, Getaway car. I thought she would play, and she didn't play. Uh, yeah. I had an I did something bad no body no crime vigilante shit mashup of those only vigilante shit is in this no mashups um, how do you feel no about mash-ups. no mashups there's well, not except, a single mashup and you based a lot of your prediction on mashups well because my prediction was what like 25 songs long or something you, like she's gonna have you to had do the it. right instinct which was she's gonna play 44 she's just gonna mash them up but why, I just didn't yeah. wanna like I, I if she's willing to do this to herself then <laughs> We are the lucky recipients of that. I don't want to be the person who's saying, hey, Taylor, go out there for three and a half hours hey. and work yourself to the bone. Yeah. No way. Dance monkey. Yeah, exactly. I was not willing to do that. Good um, decision. Is there anything else that like really haunts you? I, I, Better Man would have been great, but I understand. I understand. You're going to play it one night. Yeah, she'll do better, man. Um, again, I would have loved, would have, could have, should have. I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil. I remain feral for that song. What if she plays I, that? I will expire. It'll be yeah. over. I think, yeah. I'm pretty excited about about the idea. I just I'm not exactly sure how she does that. In the same way that I'm not sure how she does new romantics acoustic. But um, I don't think she's gonna do like I don't think I I have made my peace with the fact that I don't think even if I could, even if if I meet a genie and get to wish for my absolute dream acoustic set surprise song set, I don't think I'm hearing I know places or new romantics on the shore, and that's okay. fine. I've I okay. have. Actually, she has a hundred songs to fill if she doesn't repeat. She has a hundred slots. And she said that she only feels like repeating if she screws something up, um, which is a very Taylor thing to say. But I think I don't I don't foresee her repeating a lot over the course of of the tour. Um, I guess we've alluded to this, but I want to ask you directly. Do you think beyond the surprise songs, the set list stays the set list? I believe the set list stays the set list. Yeah. Does that mean that you don't think we're getting Speak Now Taylor's version until after the tour is over? I I think there's something more focused around Speak Now Taylor's version that's coming. And and I, 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 
which means here, that in order to be more focused, it would happen after the tour is over. Y- yeah. Or maybe there's going to be an added, you know, she's going to put it out in the middle and do an added speak now night in an arena or, you know, some acoustic speak now. I don't know. It may be that after the tour, she's going to do some stuff this fall tied to speak now. I, I, I don't know. But I think it would be a lot if suddenly in Philadelphia or later on in the, in the summer, you know, she's playing speak now stuff that she did in the beginning of the tour. It, she has a history of trimming some stuff back, but this is so uh, delicately choreographed. Yeah. Every single move where she ends up on the stage, it is a full, like she is playing a part the entire time, except for those two songs. Uh, I agree. I just, I just don't know from a lighting, from a rehearsal standpoint, there's just not enough time to make a lot of changes. And let's be clear, she doesn't need to. It's yeah, fucking working. I, I agree. It it doesn't do much for my uh, t-shirt letters anagram theory, but overall, I agree. Another question. Do you think part of the reason that we don't have international dates for this tour announced yet has to do with testing out just how it feels and how it goes physically in terms of the stamina of going through it? I do. I think there's other things going on in her life that maybe make her not sure if she's going to go spend two years going to Shanghai. <laughs> go be like, <laughs> Harry's singing the banana song in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Harry's <laughs> going to pull every <laughs> dollar out of the market that he possibly can uh, it may not be possible to overexpose Harry Styles is maybe the lesson, but if it is possible, it'll happen. I don't He's, know that t- Taylor's going to go do that, but he and Harry Lambert are still coming up with new things to, to bedazzle on like the, cropped yeah. t-shirts. So as long as that's still going, I, I believe in him. I'm very happy the, for him. I just, every time about, I open TikTok yeah. and see Harry Styles videos, I'm just like, yeah. go home, sir. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like, I've seen it now. Thank you. It's wonderful. It's so good. But unless you no, got like, a giant, I will take it. I will take more and more and more of it. It's it's lovely. I'm just like, how is this man still touring? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's newly single, and maybe that's the energy that he's that, that he's getting. Right. But right, I, right. Right. Look, Taylor. Also, this is this is something that could take a break for six months, change, and go out with new, different music. I think this is now a little bit of a touring carnival in that um, she's got so much material that she could be quote unquote on tour with this for the next three years um, and just do it sort of sporadically as we're seeing here. I, 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 she just got a lot, again, as the shirt said, there's a lot going on at the moment and uh, she's making a lot of money from this tour. She doesn't need another billion dollars necessarily. So yeah, I think it's fine for her to balance her personal life, her professional life, meaning her interest in film making uh, and what clearly is a, a continued creative spark around music. If, if we're to believe the pictures that, uh, that she took in the studio with Jack Antonoff, who was not the producer on the recently released songs, there's more music that's coming. Like it, it's cool that she's, as you say, seeing if she can actually do this. I mean, you and I, by the end of an hour and a half podcast are feeling a little hoarse. Right. So uh, speaking of which, those songs that she dropped on the eve of this tour are sort of the one thing that I have on my notes here that we haven't gotten to. Let's talk about the songs themselves first, but that I also want to, and I guess we've gotten to it a little bit and, and how, how this all fits into if and when we're going to get Speak Now and 1989, Taylor's version and, and all of that stuff and all of the 
releases that may at some point be coming. We can talk about the timing of the drop and how we dug for them on on yes. Spotify. But eyes open, all the girls you've loved before, safe and sound. If this were a movie, uh, Taylor's versions. What did you think? I mean, I thought that eyes open. She redid with a producer who was in the band White Snake. And in the band Nelson, which most people probably don't know what the fuck that is, but like two of the biggest like 80s hair bands of all time. Like they basically had the same hair that she has on the debut cover. Maybe that was the inspiration. It might have been. But other than that, I thought it was a strange choice. Everything about it was strange, unless you think she's clearing the decks and eraizing songs that could be associated with Speak Now because those are songs where she had some co-writers, I believe. And now she could just put out Speak Now and say, this is the album that I wrote all by myself with nobody else. And I've just re... She doesn't have to clear it. She doesn't have to do any of that. Right. So, and and in particular, if this were a movie um, had been on Speak Now Deluxe, that now seems to belong to the Fearless era and the Taylor's versions don't have deluxe separate deluxe versions, so it's right. not as easy to delineate things that way. Sure, fine, I guess. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's for someone who, and I, I, I tend to look at uh, her ability, ability to be choreographed and, and her emphasis on planning and go, I don't get why people hold this against her because I think it's really wonderful. Right. I also think that we should acknowledge that there are times when this is just like, she is an agent of chaos. Like, what's going on? These things were so hard to find. Impossible. These songs are so random. All the Girls is really fun, but like, it doesn't, it didn't feel like you're not oh my coming God, back it's the to eve of, of the tour. Songs. I have to no. get this out. I think like no. 12 million people have streamed it on Spotify. It's it's not like... I think 12 million people couldn't find it on Spotify. She right. buried it in a hole down by the river. I mean, there's nothing... It, 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 I don't understand it. I don't understand it. it. The only thing that makes sense is that she's clearing the decks. I went to dinner last night, by the way, at like a... a you know, sort of like an old red saucy New York city, Italian place. They were playing. Mm -hmm. They had fearless just the entire album on repeat. So somebody must, somebody in the kitchen or or whatever was like on it and really needed to hear it. But I was just laughing at like the cultural reach this woman has (laughs) because it was the last place on earth that I would be like, Oh yeah. Taylor Swift is on the soundtrack here. Like you want the spicy meatballs. Yeah. Seriously. Um, (laughs) So that was really funny, but I, some of the people that I was with were like asking me on behalf of other people how to find the songs. I know. It, <laughs> it was, they were so buried. I, I don't, I, I don't get it. And at times I think there's a method to the madness. At times I think they're just being very, very conservative about how they roll out this music. Because again, if the 
primary purpose was to stop other people right now who are making money off your art and to reclaim control of that, you'd put it out. We know it's done. I guess we don't know, no, it's done. We're pretty sure it's done and ready. And yeah, so, and this is not the stuff, but this is not the stuff that you you put out to do that, right? I mean, I guess every yeah. little bit counts, but I don't think no, that no, they're no. This is I don't not think they're losing campaign. a lot on people streaming the original version of Safe and Sound. Like no, no, no shade to that song, but no, I don't know. It's this not some gobbling up the revenue. Just close your eyes. The sun is going down. This was some box checking for what comes next. And that is why. As I said six hours ago when this podcast started, I think there's reason for optimism. I think these are clear signals that there is a lot of stuff coming ahead and that the the uh, creative output is going to continue. We're going to have new stuff before this tour is over. All right. Let's end this way. I want to know, even in advance of that, because I think we both think that Speak Now is coming. 1989 is probably coming, but right now it's tour time. Uh, You and I both have a little bit of waiting to do before we get to see this thing. After getting a sense of of what's in the set list, what it looks like, you can't say Cruel Summer because that's too easy. Why? But other than that, what are you most excited for? You can't, because it's too easy. We would both say it and it would be boring. Okay. That, that, People I, I have guess listened to fair. us talk about this for like an hour and 10 minutes. We have to give them something. We can't just, you okay. know. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, I am extremely, you know I love Evermore. And so I want to see Evermore uh, in the flesh. I want to see what that feels like in the arena. I want to see if she pulls it off, A. B, I, I just, I cannot wait to hear the crowd in particular on all too well 10 minute version. Just like seeing that energy and whether she's able to keep it up night in, night out. I think she's going to be able to. It sure looks like it, but I just, I can't wait to sort of be in the moment because I have such a bigger appreciation for that song as we talked about through the course of this podcast. I wasn't that into all too well. I mean, I got it, but I, I really wasn't all that. I love the 10 minute version. Whatever. I love the 10 minute version. Like rel- on a relative basis. I thought all too well it was fine, but it just didn't feel like it was a song necessarily for me. That the 10 minute version got me just completely wrapped around the finger of that song. Uh, and then I guess lastly, Bejeweled is still with me. And I'm yeah, excited to see that slaps. one live. Yeah. How about you? Oh, also. So, <laughs> yes. I can't wait for Beth. You do not know how excited I was the first night watching the stream when Bev showed up on Midnight Rain and Lavender Haze. I was like, fuck yeah, they brought her along. (laughs) I'm so glad Bev gets to come on the tour. Bev's going to fill in for Taylor for six nights when she dislocates an elbow, jumping into the non-existent ball pit. I can't go for 44 songs. I can only go for four seconds. Not 44 songs. Bev definitely can't do 10 minutes all too well. We got to keep Bev away from that territory. It's too long. <laughs> Way too long for Bev. Bev is actually, Bev is the ball pit. Bev and Joe together catch Taylor. And then they put her onto the rocket sled and they shoot her down the 
to the other side of the stadium. Um, What's your moment? I am very excited for 10 Minute All Too Well. I think that's yeah. that's going to be cathartic. I also, I just think karma seems like an absolute blast. You were on it before I was. You, you, it feels like it's the right finisher and I I wasn't super into it and you really loved it from the beginning. So I love that song. I love it so much. Karma is a cat. That one I'm really excited for. I I think that the vigilante shit chair routine is making a lot of people behave in an unserious fashion on the internet, which I support. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's amazing. Go off, Tay. Really like burning down the lover house. I'm very excited for that. The fearless spin, the sparkly guitar. I'm just, ex- I'm excited for the whole thing. But if I have to pick all too well, 10. New romantics karma. in the acoustic set. No, I keep telling you that I've, uh, I've made my peace with this. I don't think it's happening. You love that song. I don't song. need it to happen. It's like if Valentine's I, Day. You love that song. If I could choose, if I could choose my surprise songs, I think they would be our song and Death by a Thousand Cuts. I say nothing. I was just thinking how we don't have a song. Chandelier still flickering here because I can't pretend it's okay when it's not. Okay. I'll pass the message along. Thank you. Anything else, Nathan? Are we all set? We're going to be back. There's more shit coming. Are you going to tell people why you're appearing in random internet photos with Maddie Healy? No. Is no, this I'm why not. you're entering ketosis so that you can eat raw meat? Can you do that? <laughs> yes. It might be. All right. Well, we'll keep you posted on all of that. This has been every single album. Thank you for listening. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he's Nathan Hubbard. Thank you so much to Kai McMullen for her wonderful production on this episode. And we will talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.